The Christian life is not meant to be lived in isolation. It's meant to be lived out in fellowship. The New Testament itself was written not for the advantage of individuals, but for the instruction of the church, the body of Christ assembled together to worship the Lord Jesus. Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its associate fellowship, the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the director of CPE and your Bible teacher. If you wish to learn more about our work to raise up evangelists and church planters around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our church in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Paul is introducing the heartbeats of his ministry in Romans chapter 1, verses 7 through 13. And as he does, he lays before those he is writing to the secret of his sustained and fruitful work. It is not an endeavor of his own energies. He is engaged in his spiritual work and he knows it. And out of that spiritual life, he is praying for them. And in those prayers, he finds born within him a desire to be with them, not only to minister to them, but also to be ministered to by them. The great Apostle Paul, whose gifts and powers in ministry are unrivaled in the history of the church, felt the great need to receive ministry from others. Others just like you. Well, let's make some further observations here. Actually, from that one idea, let me make three observations. Hopefully, I can do this quickly for you. Number one, it's this. Paul is looking as he approaches other Christians. Observations, what we've just said. This idea that they have a gift to offer him, he has a gift to offer them of what the Spirit is doing in their lives. And the first point is this, as we see this and consider this, and this is a wonderful point that's made by Martin Lloyd-Jones in his treatise on this passage. And it's a, it's a long sermon, I've listened to it. If you think I'm going slow through Romans, just if you ever get a hold of any of Martin Lloyd-Jones' series, it was about 13 years or something like that, that he, 14 years that he went through the book of Romans, didn't finish it either. You take a verse like this and spend three weeks in it. I'm not going to do that. I'm tempted to because I, I want to say more. But wonderfully what he points out as he's going through it, this one key point I think is most important, that when Paul was going to enjoy fellowship with other believers, we learn here what Paul is looking for in that fellowship. He's looking for the presence and the dynamic life of the Holy Spirit upon them. He's looking to encounter the Spirit of Christ on their lives. That's how he identifies Christian fellowship with them. That's what it is that he's wanting to experience. And there's a lesson in that for us that we're going to need to talk about. Christian fellowship is not us holding, like we said, theological positions in common, important. Not holding political positions in common, not so important. It's imparting to one another the shared life of the Spirit of Christ who's resting upon us and dwelling within us. Look at Acts chapter 19. Paul uses this as an example. Acts chapter 19. It's the story of Paul as he's going again from Corinth and he arrives in Ephesus. I'm going to read to you verses 1 through 7 of Acts chapter 19 and make a very careful point of this. This point that Paul was looking for the Holy Spirit and his presence in the life of new believers and those who profess faith. That is what he's expecting. That is what he's anticipating. That's what he identifies as the fellowship that he's seeking. This fellowship in the spirit. In Acts chapter 19 we read this. Beginning in verse 1. And I'll read through verse 7. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. That Paul having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus. 
And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I'm sure he didn't walk through the door saying that. He's come into the presence of these individuals. He's met them. They're conversing with one another. He's taking notes of what the experience is like. And then it turns to an important question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We don't know anything of this work that you're speaking of, the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the men were about 12 in all. So here we have this account, the story. And Paul has gone to Ephesus. He's probably traveled to Ephesus from Corinth. Somebody that Paul has probably sent out from his own ministry and that he's touched in Corinth has traveled so far as Ephesus. And he's met this group of individuals. And he supposed that maybe these individuals were followers of Jesus Christ. He received some bit of information, intelligence about them. And he's carried that intelligence back to Paul. And Paul, there's some people ready to receive you in Ephesus who are followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. And so there's a little place where Paul knows now he's got a little bit of foothold where he can go into that city and begin working among people or people of peace and who know the Savior and from there build the ministry up in Ephesus. And so he goes into the city expecting to find true believers in Jesus Christ. But he arrives there, he finds that that's not the case. These supposed disciples were not followers of Jesus. They were not even familiar with the teaching of Christ or the work of Christ. They were only at this point in time familiar with the teachings and baptisms of John the Baptist. In other words, they were still in the Old Testament waiting for the Savior to be revealed. What was it that tipped Paul off to this case? How did Paul discern? Well, wait, 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 I don't think we have, I don't think we have the fellowship of Christians here. I don't think, we, what, what was it that tipped them off? Well, there was an absence of the communion of the believer in the Spirit. He didn't recognize or see the life of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, resting upon these men as he conversed and spoke with them. Something was missing. Did you not receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, when you were baptized? We, we've not even heard of that work. What baptism did you receive? Well, the baptism of John the Baptist. We've gone that far. Well, do you know who he spoke of and what he proclaimed and who he said was coming? Who is this, sir? The Savior of all men, the Messiah, and that he has come. His name is Jesus Christ. And John gave witness to him when he baptized him because he saw the Spirit coming down upon him like a dove. And he heard the voice out of heaven of God saying, This is my Son, in whom I well pleased. And that one, John baptized with repentance, showing us our need to be washed from and cleansed from our sins. And that one who came entered into that baptism to identify with us, but he carried that identification all the way to the cross. He lived a sinless life. And on the cross, he died for our sins. And he demonstrated himself to be the one who can save us from our sins because he rose again from the grave. And now he calls all men to be baptized in his name, in belief and trust in the salvation that he's brought. You've not gone far enough. You've repented, but you've not believed. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as they were baptized, Paul, as we do, as they came up, they were baptized. Paul laid his hands upon them to pray for them. And the Spirit of God was poured out upon them. But that's what Paul was looking for. Paul was looking for and expecting to find in the fellowship of the saints, not people who agreed with him in every point, not that. 
the people who had by faith in Jesus Christ received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit was moving out from them and they were receiving one another in fellowship. How do you know if that's there? I mean, think about it. How did Paul know? Well, these people have the Spirit. These people don't have the Spirit. I think we could go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, and we could kind of have an idea of what it is that Paul was looking for. There, Paul talks about what his desire was when he went to the people in Corinth. And there, he tells them what it is that he wants to know from them in fellowship with them, and what he wants them to know from him in fellowship with them. What does he want to receive from them, and what he wants to impart to them. And he says to them, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. When I came among you, I wanted you to know Christ, and I wanted you to know the saving work of Christ, and what did I want to know in return from you? I wanted to see what Christ was doing in your life, and I wanted to see the evidence of the work of Christ bringing you into salvation from you. I want to know nothing else but this. That's the heart of Christian's fellowship. When we read the New Testament, when we understand what the work of the Holy Spirit is in the life of the believer, we understand from what Jesus teaches us about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, and John 15, and John 16, that the Holy Spirit comes to us to be another, the same kind, to be another Jesus, to bring to us the life of the Lord Jesus and to bring his indwelling presence within us. Jesus said, I'm going to depart from you and you'll see me no more, but I'm going to come to you. I'm going to be away from you, but I'm going to be in you. What's he talking about? Because I'm going to give you my spirit and he's going to bring to you my life. The Holy Spirit's job is to make the Lord Jesus real to us. It's to bring the life and the presence and the power of Christ to us and Paul is saying, I want to be and I expect to meet with people who are Jesus. It's coming out from their life, is a part of their expressions, is, is the name that's primarily on their lips, is the thing they want to impart and speak of in his work and his presence. I want to know Christ among you. I want to know Christ among you. I want to experience, I want to experience Christ among you. And that's what the Holy Spirit comes to do. How could I kind of explain this. An example that came to my mind was my brother-in-law a number of years ago was a, a paramedic in Northern California. And there were occasions when there would be somebody would come and they'd call upon the ambulance and they would take the person to a hospital and they would discover early on that this person was not under significant distress, that this was not a serious issue. And at that time he wanted to speak to him. If it wasn't a serious issue and he wanted to encourage them in some way. And so one of the things he would say is first tell them, look, everything's fine, nothing's happening, your vitals are all well, everything's good, you're going to go and you're going to get a good report when you get to the hospital, and so I just wanted to put you at peace. And then he would ask them a question. He said, listen, I have a question for you. I'm a Christian. Do you know Jesus? And if the person said, well, yeah, I know Jesus. Then his next question was, don't you just love him? <laughs> and if they gave a heart, oh, I love him. Oh, yes, I just love him. Let's pray together. Let's pray together because he loves you and he wants him. If they said, well, uh, you know, and they were a little dispassionate, a little bit put off by the question, well, of course, well, yeah, well you know. Yeah. Then he knew that, well, maybe, maybe the Spirit, well, whatever they knew, they didn't know him in such a way that the Spirit ministered Christ to them. So he would share a little bit of the gospel with them. Well, he loves you and he cares for you. And one of the things I like to do, I have done all that I can do for you and you're going to be fine, but I, I'd like to pray for you because he has great desires and designs for you and he'd pray for them. Well, it was an interesting way, unique way to discover whether he was engaged with individuals who could minister to the Spirit to one another. Paul puts it this way in Romans 5.5. 5. 
he actually says what it is is this expression of the Spirit of God resting upon the lives of the believer that becomes the basis of their fellowship with one another. He says in Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given unto us. He's not just talking about our love for God, which this is part of it. Our love for God is shed abroad. God's love for us is shed abroad. God pours out himself upon us through his spirit. God pours out himself through us by that spirit. And we know it. There's an outpouring, something, <laughs> something pouring out of our lives. Something the spirit of God has given us. Here's the second thing under this point that I want you to see here, and it's this. This thing, this evidence of the Holy Spirit, this outpouring of love for the Lord Jesus and the power and the exuding of his life into the believer and out from the believer, Paul knew that in the life of other individuals that that would be of great benefit to himself. (laughs) What he was longing for was to encounter the life of the Lord Jesus flowing out from others. Our fellowship as Christians is no richer than the life of the Lord Jesus that we share with one another. And when we share that life in common, we live under a mutual, reciprocal blessing. We receive it. Before we sign off for this broadcast, I want to remind you of a ministry website that we've developed. It is testyourtestimony.com. Our concern is that there are many in our churches who do not have a true born-again relationship with Jesus Christ and so face the prospect of his rejection at the judgment seat in the last day. Our pity for these has made us develop the site testyourtestimony.com in order to apply the command of 2 Corinthians 13.5 to test ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. For now, I look forward to our next time partaking together of the bread of life. Till then, may God bless you.